Alrighty here. So Argo's having a little bit of uh, problems here, so just bear with me. Um, I just want to make sure that I get him on here. Um, so, yep. I will actually send him the link through here. Ah, uh, yeah. So, hi. Hi, everyone. How are you doing out there? We're going to be joined by Argo J in a little bit. Right now, we're having a little bit of issues. He's not getting the email with the link. So, I'm going to go ahead and try to get him the link over on this side and get him on here. While I am doing that, let me just uh, go ahead and get my plugs out of the way. We are, before I do anything, let me tell you, everyone out there really needs to use a VPN. VPN keeps you safe. Plus, it also does really awesome stuff like watch, let you watch movies on like Netflix that aren't available in the United States. If you don't know, there's different countries have different Netflix things. So I am proud to announce my partnership with a company uh, called NordVPN. NordVPN is uh, pretty awesome here. And for some reason, he didn't get the email. Let me, let me go ahead and fix that really quick. NordVPN will prote help protect you from um, things like... Uh, it didn't send. Huh. All right, let me go ahead and invite him again here, and then we'll get out. But NordVPN is really cool. You guys should check it out. Um, and by doing that, you can help out the channel and protect your, your web surfing experience. Um, but, yeah, let me send this. Uh, you got to love it. Mondays, right? So NordVPN is the newest sponsor. We are also sponsored. It's not working. What the hell? Uh, let me try that again. Argo J, give me one second here. Okay, this is kind of embarrassing but we'll we'll get them on here in a second let me just send it through here argo j at gmail oops you don't want to give that out we're going to get him on here this is so embarrassing. Alright, we are also sponsored by Tusk. Tusk is a really, really cool thing. It's the only cryptocurrency um, that is gun-friendly. What I mean by that is they are heavily invested in the gun community. And you can actually buy stuff with your Bitcoin or your Tusk on different things. We are also sponsored to you sponsored by Black Swan Tactical. Black Swan Tactical um, is my company. 100% of the proceeds goes to my niece Bella. And a really cool thing is that uh, we have a new influencer that has joined the 
Black Swan tactical team. And his stuff is on there. And his name is Gorillas and Guns. Why we are waiting to get all the technical issues fixed here. I'm going to go ahead and show you a little bit of the Gorilla and Guns collection. Which is really cool. You can go ahead and buy some Gorilla and Guns stuff. Him and Sandhill Shooters on there. But check this out, guys. This is really, really cool. If I can do it right, man. I'm just all over the place today. And I see Argo in the background. Uh, so let me go ahead and bring him on. Gorillas and Guns is our newest thing. What's up, Argo? What's up, brother? Can you hear me? Yeah, I don't know. Oh, right. Uh, I sent it for my personal email because for some reason, the other one's not going through, apparently. I don't know why. Yeah, I never got it. And then when, when you sent it from this one, it came up right away. So I have no idea. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Yeah. Sorry. All right. So Argo, you yeah, are a civil rights activist, a gun activist, and a filmmaker. Correct. All right. Okay, let's go into let's jump right into it. I want to know about this film that you're making. Okay. Awesome. awesome. My friend Devin's told me so much about it, and so has Baj and everyone else. Okay, well, that's pretty cool to hear. <laughs> so uh the film is entitled, first of all, appreciate you having me on though. Let me let me not lose my manners here. Uh so uh but secondly, um the film is called Black Ops and it's an ops is an acronym and it stands for uh black opinion in popular society. And it's basically trying to highlight and shift the the image and the perception of black Americans and firearms. Uh, specifically black males, but definitely all black Americans, especially with uh, the current state of affairs in the country right now. Uh, and it's just trying to change the perception of uh, the negative perception or connotation that black Americans have had when it comes to firearms. Yeah, there is a lot of negative connotations out there when it comes to black Americans and firearms. Why do you think that is? Uh, I think that a lot of it comes from um, the intended and intentional oppression uh, of black Americans early on in the history of America. Uh, we know that a lot of the restrictions placed on firearms come from, excuse me, <clears throat> come from and uh, came from trying to prevent freed slaves uh, and now freed black men from owning and possessing firearms for fear that they would retaliate against their former owners and masters and plantation heads and things like that. Um, and that's where a lot of the restriction came, but restriction from an authoritative standpoint uh, is only one part of it. Now we have to make it a community restriction. We have to make it taboo within the community. And the only way to do that is to demonize and let, well, let's give you the guns, but let's not give you, uh, let's not give them to you the right way. Let's not give them to you with the education. Let's let you be ignorant with the gun so that you can kind of tear yourselves apart from the inside. And then uh, once guns become, you know, a negative or a taboo thing, then of course you won't want them because the whole black community for a very long time, you know, guns and the thought of guns were only associated with gang violence and gang members. And this is within the community and uh, that guns are something bad for black people but white people do it all the time you know what i mean so yeah uh maj who's a who's a friend of you and me uh 
have a saying. He always says that uh, all gun control is racist. Would all you of it. All of it. Every last bit of it. I mean, you take a look at the first gun control laws in California. Um, the Act, right? Well, not not even the Mulford Act. Prior to that, um, the first there were there were gun control restrictions, not laws. I should say. I apologize. There were gun control restrictions put in place to keep Native Americans uh, from owning firearms. So every gun control law is racist. And then you fast forward to the Black Panther movement uh, and the Mulford Act, and then you definitely see its racist head uh, rearing. So definitely, so it's definitely. And I saw a comment come up that said uh, that Hollywood won't help anything. That's why I'm not taking it to Hollywood. That's why this film is going to be uh, user and crowdsourced. I want it to be from the people that are going to benefit from it the most, uh, which is the American armed American populace. Um, no matter whether you're white, black, or Hispanic, or Latino, or Asian, or whatever, um, because it it's all relative. It's all relative. Yes, it encompasses primarily black Americans, and that's the main focus. But all of that affects the way we all operate as gun owners um, and the way we think and the way that we get along with each other and the way that we build um, our, our army, to pretty much to speak, because we are under attack. The Second Amendment is under attack. And if you're a gun supporter, like we need allies all across the board and we cannot continue to isolate and separate us uh, just because we're different. It's our differences that are going to make us stronger. But Yet and still, we continue to use them as a divisive tool, and that can't continue to happen. How did you come up with the idea to make a film? We know your reasoning behind it, but how did you come up with the idea, like, say, hey, I'm going to take my my reasoning and put it into a film? Uh, you know, I guess it's a good question. Uh, I guess I started because of YouTube. That's how I got my initial start or whatnot. Uh, and... I wanted to do this and I first did a little snippet. It was about a seven minute thing for YouTube. Um, and I said, no. I said, this topic deserves more praise, more highlight, more attention than just a seven minute YouTube film or a YouTube video. Um, and, I, and I actually reached out to Hollywood. Uh, I'm friends with, uh, well, I'm not friends with, my mother is friends with uh, the mother of, the gentleman who worked on 12 Years a Slave and Red Tails, uh, John Ridley. And we reached out to his mom. His mom got in touch with him, uh, reached out to his publicist, spoke to her, saw that it was a great idea, gave me some names to talk to and people to talk to. And when I took it to Hollywood, I say Hollywood, but you don't know if this is actually Hollywood, Hollywood, but uh, bigger movie people, um, they liked the idea, but they wanted to shift some of the perspectives and some of the narrative. And I said, no, we can't do that. I can't afford to do that because when I do that, the meaning changes uh, and it won't be genuine. It won't be real. It won't be true. And I'm not willing to do that. So I, I wasn't willing to co-opt the meaning of, of what they, what, what I wrote and what's real in America uh, to fit a Hollywood narrative. And that wasn't going to happen. So I said, Hey, let's do this. Let's uh, try to crowdsource it and fund it. Uh, and it's, it's taken me a while. There's been three rewrites, but I'm glad that there's been three rewrites because uh, there's been so much that has happened from the time that I first wrote it to the to right now. Um, so there's so much more that I've had to include into the documentary and work around things. And when you're writing a documentary, it's not necessarily a script. It's more of an outline. Um, 
and then you just film it as is and as needed with certain parts being scripted, but it's uh, definitely always a living, breathing work of art. So, Yeah, one of my friends is a documentary filmmaker, and whenever he works on a documentary, it takes him like three, four, five years. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And for me, from working on the ground up, it's been about that much just trying to get it off the ground, uh, find funding and find sourcing. You know, I figure for about, I think my goal, I don't think, but my goal is to raise about $50,000 um, to film it, produce it, and distribute it. Um, and that's very low budget as far as a film goes. That's very low budget. Yeah, uh, how much it costs. Yeah. Uh, I probably like working with him because he let me sit in on a couple of different things. Just so, uh, I was very curious about documentary filmmaking, and I was like, oh, I got some ideas with some documentaries. But I sat in, sat in a few things with him because you know I was interested in making a documentary. And I saw all the BS and everything you have to go through and how long it takes and how much money you have to dump into it. And I was just like, yeah, you know what? Um, I think I'm going to stick to writing. <laughs> yeah, man. And it's, it's, it's definitely a labor of love, man. If I didn't have a passion and I didn't have the dedication I have to get this message out, I could definitely see where some people would be deterred from, from doing it for sure. Now, let's talk about distribution because Sydney and other meetings, I learned a little bit about the different distribution models. Mm -hmm. You have uh, several different paths you can go. You can go with like theatrical release, which is usually the bigger documentaries. Mm -hmm. uh, then, then there's a lot of people who get their documentaries out there through uh, going through with the distrib distribution, like through streaming, different streaming services. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times those don't pay very well. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you have uh, submitting them to uh, like film festivals, which might not happen right now. Right. Which way are you going? Uh, I'm definitely going to the streaming services because, you know, it's definitely it's making money. It's great, but it's about the message with this one. Um, so, you know, if I get back what I, I spent to film it, I'll be happy. Um so definitely we're doing streaming services. Uh, my goal though, and my, my, my dream is, not my dream, my wish is to actually do uh, theatrical releases in select cities uh, where, cause I know a lot of places you can rent out theaters and things like that. So in select locations, we'll do uh, smaller theatrical releases um, so that people can actually see the documentary live, come talk to me, do a meet and greet uh, and actually have a Q and A uh, to answer questions that may have come up because of the documentary or because of, uh, you know, things that just were unanswered or, you know, whatever. But I would love to get out there and meet all the people and, and take the movie to them, you know, in person. So definitely looking at those two. That's kind of what he does now. He does like select cities where they do like a little tour and they go and they'll show the movie. And then after the movie, it will be like a Q&A session where the audience can actually talk to the people. Right. Involved. Which I went to one. I thought was like really cool. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of what I'm, what I'm looking at now. Uh, so we'll do that. And then of course uh, the streaming services on um, the distributor said, once I get it filmed, let me know. And she'll help me or the publicist rather. She'll help me with the distribution end of it. So that's a good thing. Yeah. Cause that's right. There is the hard part. Right. I mean, the yeah. whole thing's hard, but you know, once you get everything done in the can, filmed, edited, and everything else, then it's like, okay, time to distribute it. And right. 
thought about that in the in before. That you know, you basically made a movie that <laughs> nobody can see it. Like right, so yeah, yeah. so that's kind of cool. Uh, so that's good that you thought about all you've thought about all that stuff. Um, it's it's just so much work to do a documentary. It is, it is, it is. But I think, like I said, especially given the current times and the racial tensions on the rise in our country. Um, it, it's 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 needed. Um, I'm an American through and through. Uh, I'm a patriot through and through. I don't I don't want to say I don't see color. I definitely see color, but I don't discriminate. I don't judge, and I don't separate myself from anybody else. Now, when I say I see color, I see the differences that we have, but I don't find them as a negative thing. I think that that's a positive thing. I think that that makes us who we are that as a collective, our differences are what make us stronger because we have all these people of different backgrounds, different cultures, different lifestyles, and then we can come in uh, together under the same red, white, and blue flag and say, hey, look how strong we are together despite our differences. So uh, that's kind of my goal um, is always to bring us together as Americans, but I, I am a black American first and I definitely see um, how the the disparity of treatment of Black Americans and white between Black Americans and non-Black Americans, I'll say, is prevalent in America. Um, never being the victim or or saying or playing victim, but just being aware and cognizant of really what is, and saying, "Hey, I see it for what it is. Let's address it. Let's deal with it, and let's try to move forward instead of going backwards." Do you think that the powers that be tried to divide us? to keep control over us. That's a, that's what a lot of people think. You know, I, I, if we understand how the people in power keep power, then I have to say, yes. Do I think that it's, a, there's the whole man situation. Like the man is keeping me down as a black man. No, I'm not that. no I mean, but you know, a lot of people go that route and I'm saying, uh, no, I don't necessarily believe that. I believe that was true. At one point in time, hold on one second, I'm going to give my lens a wipe here. Um, I believe that was true at one point in time, uh, but not as prevalent as now, as, as, as it is, I mean, then as it is now. Uh, but I definitely think that the powers that be try to separate us as a people. Um, I think that they don't do, I think sometimes their silence is more powerful than them actually doing things that are divisive. Um, I think that their silence when things are evident and clear allows for the rhetoric and the common man to step up and say, hey, you know, let's be divided. Let's push this issue this way or let's push that issue that way. And that's inclusive of all races or cultures or lifestyles or whatever. So I definitely think that there is some some uh, some uh, gas being added to the fire here, to the flames there. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I think that we as people have more in common than what we actually realize. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, uh, let me give you an example. You look at what's been going I don't know. Are you familiar with the NFAC crew? Yeah. I never had much of an opinion about them because I believe that any militia group, despite their color, has the right to operate within, you know, uh, and, and under, under the protection of the, the Constitution. Um, 
despite of what I may personally feel about uh, members of the group or whatever, I support them, you know, like I do any other militia group that's not out here uh, negatively uh, acting, okay? But yet and still, everybody wanted, now, did the, and, I, and I'm not sticking up for him because I, I was one of those who was critical of the things that he said that were wrong and misinformation that he put out there and the tactics that he used that were uh, dangerous and harmful. Uh, but his motive, I believe, and I'm speaking about the, the, the leader of the NFAC crew. The Grandmaster Jay. Yeah, Grandmaster Jay. I believe that he was, um, <laughs> uh, I believe that he was, I'm sorry, guys, right. that, that comment right. threw me. Uh, uh, I believe that his motive was, was, was pure. Uh, and it is something, you know, we, that, like, for a long time, and it's, it's, it's a fact, Black Americans have been discriminated against, you know, and it's, it's still prevalent to this day. And we see it, but we want to ignore it. And nowadays, a lot of times, that racism and that prejudice is hidden under the guise of patriotism. And that's a no-no for me. That's not what patriotism is. And that's what infuriates me, is that I'm a freedom-loving individual. There's no way that under the the flag that, that I fly, this red, white, and blue flag with 50 stars and 13 stars, I mean, 13 stripes, that flag, there's no way that I can put hate underneath that flag. I can't cloak myself in that flag and then hate somebody else who's an American. I might not like what you do. I may not agree with what you do, what you do but I can't hate you and I can't push that hate and I won't do it. And I won't do it. I just won't do it. Okay. I don't have, I can choose not to deal with you or not to interact with you or whatever, or support you in your certain endeavors. But as an American citizen, I support your right to do the things that you do, you know, and that's just what it is. Um, and there are men and women that I have fought with and for, uh, and will continue to fight with and for that don't look like me, you know, but I will always continue to fight for people who do look like me at the same time. So, uh, I guess I'm a little different than a lot of people <laughs> or a lot of people expect a black guy to be. So no, I think, I, I think if you dig to the heart of it, uh, a lot, uh, I think a lot of people are exactly like that, but that, those aren't the ones that get highlighted. No, no. And then a lot of people feel like that, but they're afraid to act on it because now I'll offend this group of friends or I'll offend that group of friends and I'll offend this particular company or that particular company. And not me, I just don't give a, can we cuss here or no? Sure. No, I, I just, I'll, 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 I'll censor myself. I'm a, I'm a dirty pirate. So excuse me. So, but you know, I just don't care much. Uh, I just don't care about who I offend and who I don't. Uh, if the truth needs to come out, the truth needs to come out. Um, and it is what it is. And that's just where it lies. So, yeah, you have this, a lot of the same beliefs that I do. Um, I'm always one that, you know, I, you know, if speaking my mind is going to get me canceled or whatnot, so be it. You know, I'm I'm not going to let people bully me. I got a big issue with bullies. I'm mm -hmm. not going to let people bully me or pressure me into not speaking my mind. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, for those of you that don't know, I am a public school educator. Um, and non-union on top of that. So there's a black non-unionized educator, public school educator 
who's pro second amendment like how many more stereotypes can i break you know what i mean like and i go to work uh every day well not every day not because now i'm teaching from home but when i would go to work i would wear my shirts and my my hoodies and stuff that would would express uh my love for the second amendment and my my love for freedom uh and being able to voice that uh even though i did have you know this little voice in the back of my head saying they're gonna fire you but i didn't care i really didn't care you know i still don't so yeah uh, my son's old private school um uh, my car i used to have a car and the license plate said gun ammo on it and the headmaster at uh, at his old school came up to me he goes hey and she stopped me she's like Hey, can I talk to you for a second? I said, yeah. She's like, I noticed your license plate. I'm like, oh, no, here we go. Mm-hmm. She, I just want you to know that I agree with you. <laughs> and she said it like, she like looked around to make sure no one was like looking. Yeah. I mean, because, you know, we do that thing that's taboo. We support our freedom. And that's not something that's openly discussed, especially when it comes to our guns. No, <laughs> you know, but, uh, and, and it's funny because it's like, uh, I had parents who found me on YouTube uh, because I definitely try to separate where I can. Um, I don't want to spit in the face of the administration for the public school system. So I never put my my legal name on videos or anything like that, you know, to make it a little bit harder for them to dig and find, um, which is why I've always used Argo J. Um, but parents find me on YouTube and then, I, then they come up to me and they say, hey, Mr. So-and-so, I really like that video you did. And I feel so much better knowing that you're here with my son or my daughter. And I've had one parent say, Hey, when you leave this school, my kids are leaving because I know that you'll put protect them if something goes on. And I mean, and that's what it is. And that's really what it is. I mean, that's, we're the first line of defense for our, our children. So when the argument came up about arming teachers, like I was all for it. Now, I don't believe that every teacher should be armed, just like I don't believe that every citizen should be armed. I believe every citizen has the right to be armed, but if we're honest about things, everybody's not capable. It is, and it's just a fact, and we have to accept that fact. But that's not saying that they don't have the right to be, okay? So there's, 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 a, there's, a, there's definitely a line there. Uh, but I don't think all teachers should be armed. Uh, but I definitely think that arming your staff is the first line of defense to uh, protecting our kids because things do happen in the schools, unfortunately. So. Yeah. Uh, when I used to teach classes, I used to ask, uh, are you capable of shooting someone? Because if you're not, then it's not you, for you. It's not, you probably shouldn't be carrying a gun because they're going to take that gun away from you. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, I said that, I said that yesterday in a training class, I told the young lady, I said, Hey, look, we have to be honest with ourselves because there's two things that we need to realize that aren't really glamorized or glorified when it comes to owning a firearm. That's number one, that you may indeed have to take a life. Okay. You will potentially have to kill somebody because we don't train to shoot in the arm or the leg or any of that nonsense, that Hollywood stuff. And, and two is that we may not be the victor in that fight. You know, we may not come out on top. Everybody wants to act like, oh, if I get in a gunfight, I train this, that, and the other, and I may fight. I said, look, man, we got guys and girls, uh, guys and gals out there overseas right now laying their lives on the line, protecting freedom for us, who are getting taken down by 13-year-olds, 11-year-olds with AKs. You know what I mean? So, and these guys and gals have been trained with millions of dollars of training under their belt. 
collectively and and they're still getting taken down so we're not guaranteed to win a gunfight on the street we're yeah. not all it takes is like one shot one that's lucky it. shot that's it that's it so you know and i want people to realize that when they carry a gun and that's why we say that the gun is the last resort because you don't want to get into that situation so if you can't talk your way out of it or or walk away or or I'm sorry. You're a popular I guy. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, yeah, no, I, I literally, there was a situation today at school uh, and we're still dealing with it, but now it's my time. So they'll be okay. Um, let me actually, let me turn that volume off. And that's kind of why I was late and I apologize. But uh, yeah, trying to deal with angry parents and ignorant parents is, is, is a job in and of itself, man. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, it, yeah, people have to realize, um, like what to do. It, a lot of it's more than just gun ownership or having the gun. I had a martial arts instructor, mm -hmm. and uh, he used to say the best way to avoid a fight is to avoid a place where a fight could break out. And I, I agree. I, when I became uh, a carry a gun care a, a gun carrying member of America. I stopped going certain places. Mm -hmm. I stopped hanging out in certain areas of town. I stopped frequ uh, frequenting other establish certain establishments um, because the probability of getting into a confrontation was greater. So, yeah, a lot of it has to do with situational awareness. Absolutely, you can actually see when you know you're in an area that you shouldn't be in. Uh, when I say you shouldn't be in, I mean like. Yeah, you know, people. No one here is up to any good. Right, right, and and that's and that's that could apply to so many different areas, not just necessarily, you know, your typical bad areas of society. Uh, I always tell people, do I do you hear feedback on your end with me? No. Okay. Uh, I always tell people that uh, evil has no motive. Evil has no location. Evil has no preference. Like when evil comes, it comes for whoever, whenever, and you have to be prepared and wherever. So, yeah. When I was a baby, I was under a year old. On my mom was home alone with me and my four older sisters, and uh, she heard a noise at the front door. She went to the front door, didn't see anything, and then she heard the back door get kicked in. This is like in the seventies. So she went in and grabbed her little Saturday Night Special, which is like a thirty-eight revolver, stumped those, mm -hmm. went down there, and uh, there was a guy down there with a knife. And she told him, hey, you need to get out of here. And he's like, no, I'm not leaving. And she's like, I'm going to shoot you. If you take one more step, I will shoot you. And he's like, no, you won't. And he took a step towards her, and she shot him. Good for her. But that shows you, even in the home, evil can come. It has no. My my main video was about uh, me having to use my AR-15 or go to my AR-15. I should say I never had to pull the trigger uh, at home, and I get so much pushback on that video, and and I have to be honest, a lot of it is because I'm black. Um, but there was a large number of guys that came for my upstairs neighbor. I lived in a duplex at the time. Uh, he ended up sleep, sleeping, sleeping with uh, somebody's girlfriend, and that guy came for him. 
and he brought his his buddies. You know, he brought his buddies to jump this guy. Some of them dudes had guns or whatever, and they were kicking on my door. Though they had no idea which unit he lived in, and they were kicking on my door. And I look out the window and I see all these dudes, and then I see a couple of them, you know, reaching into their pants like they got guns or something. So I said, "Oh sh snap!" Like, let me put down this pistol and grab this rifle. There's a lot of dudes out here, you know? So I go out to my front porch because my kids were sleeping in the house, you know? And I'm not going to wait until they get inside to no. defend myself, you know? And people are like, why'd you go outside? And you, you, you gave up your tactical advantage. First of all, screw you. Second of all, I know that situation. I know my house and my layout and my terrain better than you do. Like, so you're missing the point of the story trying to play tactical Tommy instead of listening to the point of the story. So I ended up going outside and I had my AR kind of hidden on my hip or on my side so that the general populace didn't see it in the neighborhood. Uh, but I was at a good distance from them with cover if need be. And I said, hey, I get that you have a beef with the upstairs neighbor, but you're kicking on my door and that can't happen. So, you know, I'm gonna need you guys to leave. And at that point, one of the guys saw my AR and he screams out, this is in the video, he screams out, dude got a tech. Like, so, like, no, I didn't have a tech. I had an AR. But they saw it and they left. A check? A tech, like a tech nine. Oh. You know what I mean? So, he thought an yeah. AR was a tech nine? Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, on the video, I get all these hits and these, these negative comments about, oh, well, you shouldn't sell drugs or you shouldn't brag about what guns you have. They were coming for your guns. No, they weren't. They were coming on some ignorance trying to hurt my upstairs neighbor because he did something to offend somebody. And they just had to deal with me. But I'm, but because I'm a black dude, I must be a drug dealer or I'm into gang activity. Or they were the police coming to get me because I did something wrong. So it's just a, a, a never ending faucet of nonsense because I have to keep filtering my, my words here uh, that, that is related to that video. You don't believe me? Go check it out. It's my why I needed an AR-15, or why I needed my AR-15 video on my YouTube channel. Yeah, I know a couple people. I actually, I know one person through someone who uh, were, was shot at because uh, of a mistaken identity. Mm -hmm. um, it, one of Devin's friends, you know, Devin Perkins. Uh, yeah. Yeah. One of his friends were shot at because of a mistaken identity. And I know another guy who was shot at because uh, he's El, Sado El Salvadorian and he lives in an El Salvadorian neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And they mixed him up with uh, a, a member of a rival El Salvadorian gang. So he had to defend himself against, against them. And the whole thing was because they thought he was another guy. Yeah. And that, yeah. that could happen very easily. People don't realize it. I mean, look at what happened to Devin when he was in Chicago. That's we, what I'm talking about. That's one of the one of the situations I was talking oh, about. Yeah, you know, so so that's you know, and and Devin was helpless because of gun laws and restrictions. So luckily, his friend was able to you know what I mean to defend himself and his five year old son and Devin. You know, so that's just that's why gun laws hurt the good people and do nothing to the bad guys. So the bad guys aren't going to follow gun laws. Um, of course not. not going to happen. Of course. Uh, nine out of 10 guns, actual statistics, 90% of guns used in crimes or acquired illegally. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Rafael, it's not going to happen. And over 90% of uh, like shootings happen in gun-free zones. People pick soft targets, and that's just a fact. That's a fact. you know. And, and people who are hell-bent on doing evil know where to go. They know if I go to this particular mall that has restrictions on, you know, possessing firearms, I'll have a better chance of, you know, succeeding with my evil mission versus going to a gun show and trying to do the same thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, or versus coming to some place that that's welcoming of uh, legally armed citizenry. So. Yeah, Lobby Day last year in Virginia, when there was tens of thousands of gun owners all heavily armed, nothing happened. Of course not. Because no one's going to try to do something because they went and last like two seconds. I mean, like when any any of the trade shows, like a SHOT Show or at the NRA conventions or, you know, uh, the USCCA conventions, the carry conventions, like those are the safest places you could be. Like there's no place safer. And I feel for the fool who tries or is ignorant enough to. <laughs> Funny stories. I'm not going to tell the story, but somebody tried to rob James Yeager at one of the trade shows. You know, uh, bad choice. You know, bad positioning, bad timing, bad everything. So. Yeah, that is that is true. Um, it was a few years ago. I guess it was like five, ten years ago. There was a. Uh, there was a UFC fighter named Brandon Vera, mm-hmm. and he was with uh, three other UFC fighters in Maryland at, at, a, at their jujitsu coach's house because they were training for a fight. So there's like it was their coach and four UFC fighters sitting around. Two guys shot a strong arm, rob rob the place. <laughs> it didn't turn out too well for them. I can imagine not. Like it was like, strong arm too. Just, just, I'm gonna take you on and hope that I come out the victor. Yeah, that was good luck. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess they had baseball bats, but still, two guys, uh, four UFC fighters, even with baseball bats. Yeah, not a good look. Not gonna turn out the way you think it is. <laughs> so, no, but you know, to, to go back to your further, I mean, your first question, like, uh, you know, it, it's important that we spread the knowledge and, and the education amongst all of the American citizenry because the people are trying to divide us. There, there are people rather that are trying to divide us. And I think, I think, you know, an armed populist is a safe population. You know, it's a safe place for everybody because if we're legally armed, I think everybody I know that carries a gun legally, they have changed their lives so much and there's such a different there's such different actors in the community that than they were before that that saying that an armed society is a polite society is very true. Yeah, you can't uh, be a hothead and carry a gun. No, you can't. It's you not, can't do it. It's not advisable. No, it's not. Not at all. And uh, a lot of people realize that when they carry a gun so that they think if I get in a conflict, you know, if somebody cuts me off and I beat at them and there's something happens, you know, I mean, this, this, it could be, it can escalate to a place where I don't want to take it. Mm-hmm. They let go. Absolutely. You know, it, it puts stuff into perspective. It definitely does. It definitely does. Uh, but, you know, 
that's what we need. We've got <clears throat> some. We've got one of the largest uh, demographics of, of new gun owners right now is Black Americans, uh, especially with the current situation in the country. Uh, and, but along with that gun ownership, I would encourage all those new gun owners, both Black, White, or whoever, whatever nationality or race you are uh, or identify as, um, I beg that you get training. And I don't mean go to the range and punch paper. I mean, get actual training. Get actual training to know how to recognize problems before they happen, to know how to deal with problems before you have to go to your gun. So that if and when you do have to go to the gun, legally, you're covered, you know? And socially, you're safe for everybody else that's around in that situation. So there's a lot that goes into owning a firearm and we can, we just can't be all out here willy nilly. Oh, I got a gun. I'm an American and, and that's it. So Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of gun owners learn to swallow their pride a little bit. Like if, if there's a conflict, you know, be like, Hey, you know, sorry, my fault. Even if it isn't your fault, a lot, I think a lot of gun owners mm -hmm. will say, will say that. Absolutely. It's, it's definitely something that dampens your temper if you have one or should, because if you don't, you know, it could be problematic for you. But uh, I've had to check my temper several times. I was a bit of a hothead before and I can still be a hothead, uh, but I have to be aware of that. And I have to be aware of what the end result could be. And am I willing to make that move knowing what the end result could be? And I'm not because I have kids I got to take care of. So, yeah. Uh, talking about the increase in gun ownership, I know I've been contacted by a lot of my anti-gun friends who are now asking me to teach them how to use a gun because they went out and bought a gun or asking me, where can I get ammo at? <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, same here. And it's, it's, it's crazy. I'm sitting here looking at my phone now because I want to show you something. Uh, this is... That's my 82-year-old father who this year said, son, I got to go back on my words and I need you to teach me how to use a gun. And I have been teaching my 82-year-old father how to use a gun. And I said, dad, now you got your first gun, you know, since you were a kid and they were shooting 22s, uh, shooting at rabbits and things like that back in, you know, the 40s. But uh, you got your first gun, your first firearm as an adult. Uh, you ready to ready to defend yourself, huh? He said, "No, son, I'm ready. To, I'm ready to defend your mother. I'm not worried about me." And I just couldn't have been more proud. You know what I mean? Like that's that's most times we carry guns to yes, defend ourselves, but to defend what we love and what we work so hard to protect. And whether that's your family, your home, your business, uh, you know, yeah, it, it, it's it, it was just very very. Uh, refreshing to hear my dad say that, who's been a staunch liberal his whole life. And I never like to put politics on it, but you know, being a black Democrat, he's always been taught and, and followed that, followed the lead of others and said, nope, guns are taboo. But now he's like, no, I'm starting to see the light. Like I, I can't continue to support that. I will support that. So at 82, so. Yeah, uh, someone once asked me why I carry a gun. And I said, because of my kids. Mm -hmm. uh, we we got a question. What do you think about um, 
like legal protections like USCCA or US Law Shield or CCW Safe or anything? Uh, I am a USCCA partner, so I, you know, I I'm not gonna trash talk any specific one or any of them because I think that they all have their purpose in place, and I think that they're great. Um, I don't think that we should be. We don't drive cars without insurance. Now, this isn't insurance. This is more of an in case in case stuff happens thing. You know what I mean? It's not insurance, but if things go down, you're going to need help, and you're going to need to uh, have your ducks in a row prior to ever having used your firearm. And I think these organizations and these um, uh, companies are just that. They help you get your ducks in a row so that if you do have to use your firearm, you don't have to sit and wait and figure things out at the last minute. So I definitely uh, support all of them, uh, but I'm definitely a USCCA partner, though. Yeah. That's good. I, I have one that I think everyone out there should have one. Um, because if you use your gun and to defend yourselves, depending on the prosecutor, they will try to throw you under the bus. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and but and here's the other protections that it allows you is this too. But people don't realize this: if somebody breaks into your home or your car and steals your firearm, and then negligently uses your firearm, you could legally be liable. Uh, it ha it's, it's happened. And these things will, some of these companies will protect you or help you fight that particular battle. So, you know, it just doesn't even, ex it, it extends further than you being, you know, having to defend yourself in a self-defense situation. So, you know, it's, it's definitely something that all Americans should look into if they're going to carry firearms. So. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that 100%. I'm a big proponent of, getting some type of uh, like like carry coverage, whether it's uh, US Law Shield, USCCA, or any of the other ones, uh, to compare and see which one works best for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the good thing that I've noticed is they're all, they're all about the same price. You know, their, their packages are reasonably priced. They're all around the same price range. So, you know, there may be minor differences in, in certain coverages, but as far as finances go, you know, I think that they're looking out for the people's best interest and they're trying to make it affordable for you uh, because how much is your life worth? Yes, you want to protect your life, but that's not the only way that your life could end. Your life can end if you use your firearm and you go to jail for the rest of your life. So, you know, do you want to end your life that way? So, no, you definitely don't. So these, these places that have those carry coverages are, are wonderful. Yeah, they they definitely are. Um, I think I think it's just a smart decision overall. I agree. All right, let's get back into you. And what else do you do besides filmmaking and advocating Second Amendment stuff? <laughs> like I said, man, I'm I'm a dad. I'm a teacher, um, and a lot of it is guns, and a lot of it is trying to. Uh, my I have three kids. I have two daughters and a son. My daughters are a little older. Uh, but uh, my son is eight and he, I try to make sure that he grows up to be a better man than I am. <laughs> so a lot of my time is trying to impart knowledge and wisdom that I have on him 
at an early age. Uh, and we try to do, I try to do almost everything with him just so that he can soak up as much as of much of me as possible. Uh, because I really want him to understand what it means to live in this great country that we do with all of its beauties and all of its flaws. So, but if there's something specific that you want to know, like, that's it, man. Like I'm a gun guy through and through. Like most of my time is spent building guns. Like, I don't know if we can show guns on, on your show, but. It will, it will kill the stream automatically. Oh, okay. So yeah, I'm not, but I'm building there's stuff around me right now. Like I'm sitting here building, uh, like, so this, this stuff happens. Like I build a new gun almost every week. It seems like, so. Oh, really? ARs or. Yeah. I'd like to build ARs, man. That's my Lego set. Um, that's what gives me my peace. And, and, um, uh, I love it. Uh, I just, I just love the AR platform, even though I hate the word platform. I love the AR model. I just do. Um, I, I just love that gun. I think it's a versatile gun. I think it's uh, it serves many different purposes. I think it's um, one of the easiest, most dedicated guns uh, to use for defensive purposes, uh, and it's just fun. And they look cool as shit, so as ever. So you know they look super cool. So yeah, uh, Kermit loves bacon. Says Connecticut is not a place to get their firearms stolen, even if it's in a lockbox. You're going to jail. I've heard that about. I think Massachusetts is the same way too, because I think uh, Charlie from Running Shotgun with Charlie had a situation like that uh, a while back. So, uh, yeah, a lot of places. Yeah, I have a uh, a gun room that's locked up, and then inside, um, I have my hundred and fifty ish ARs all in like cages too. Jeez, I'm trying to get on your level, man. I <laughs> I thought I was doing it with 20 plus, but like, no, it's like, but no, man, like, yeah, it, you know, I have, I just got a new safe uh, specifically for my ARs uh, because the, the, uh, the gun safes were getting a little crowded. So I separate everything now uh, by type of gun. So that's a little OCD ish, but uh, it, it, it works out, man. Yeah, I got the same thing. I got my uh, rows of ARs, then I have my shotguns, then I have my AKs, and I have... Yeah. See, I'm not an AK guy. I, I just... Well, you know, I used to have AKs. Uh, I like the... I had an Arsenal Sam 7R. I uh, love that one. Um, but I'm just not an AK guy. You know, I think I'm going to start getting back into AKs only because of the current times, and I don't know if I'll ever be able to find one again. Uh, after a while, so for oh. for a very long time. So. I like AKs because even though the ammo is hard to find, you can still find it, and you can still find it at a at a reasonable price. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like I just bought a case of a thousand for thirty cents a round. Yeah, that's pretty good for brass yeah. too. Not in steel case, it's brass. So case. brass seven six two, that's even better. That's yeah. even better. You know, but you know, I've been lucky. Lucky to find ammo at still reasonable prices. Um, I've, I've been able to find nine mil at reasonable prices and in stock. Um, I mean, I have to make a trip to two different stores uh, once a week, but I don't mind that. Uh, I've been able to find 556 five, green tip, uh, not gouged. Uh, and I've been sharing it with my friends and the people on Instagram. Like I've been sharing that stuff. If, if you know where to look and you know what companies to go to, uh, 
So there's like there's still ammo out there available at good prices. But um, I think that's kind of one of the, the main motivations for me trying to get back into AKs was the ammo crisis, you know. Uh, so I think that was something that was kind of leaning back towards that. But uh, overall, I'm definitely not an AR guy. I mean, an AK guy. I'm an AR guy. But. I wasn't really, I, was, I mean, I liked AKs and I had a couple AKs, but I wasn't really into AKs until uh, a guy named Jeremy Deadman, the owner of XSEC, started uh, flying me out to these different AK events. Uh-huh. And uh, I don't know. Have you ever been to an AK event? I have not because I feel like I'll be in Russia. But <laughs> it's like Comic Con meets like a gun match. Like people are like competing in AK competitions and they're all like dressed up in like these different crazy, uh, crazy well, costumes and stuff. I'll definitely have to check one out once, uh, once I get moving here, man, and get around and, and all that. But, yeah, uh, they don't take themselves too seriously. Oh, that's pretty cool. And that's good because, you know, a lot of gun guys take the fun out of gun ownership and, and fraternization with the community because they're so serious all the time about it. You know, guns are something that you can definitely have fun with. Have fun with them. I mean, still while being safe, but like, like let's not take ourselves so seriously all the time. We're not all uh, Super SEAL Team 88 Delta Team, you know, four guys. You know what I mean? That's not all of us. Like, like we're not that, so or we're not that all the time. So let's be who we are. Let's have fun. Let's enjoy the firearms. They're quite fun. My son loves to go shooting. Like I'm not gonna be out there, but I need to be, you know, strict with him. I am, but let's have some fun. Yeah, it seems like there is a subset of gun guys who are like guns are tools. That's Oh, they are. And and if you say, well, you know, I like to have fun. I like this gun because it's fun to shoot. It's not really mm -hmm. practical, but it's fun to shoot. And they're mm -hmm. like, oh, but, you know, that's a waste of money because a gun is a tool. It shouldn't be. And, he, and I'm like, yeah, they can bite. Like, it's like, come on. Like, there are certain guns that aren't fun to shoot for me, and I will never shoot them or own them. But I'm not going to stop anybody from doing that. Like, if you find that gun fun to shoot, Shoot it till you turn blue in the face. I don't care. Like you know, like guns are fun, and let's be. I think it. I think it. It. It, it digs down deep into the recesses of our immature boyish self. You know, when we were all younger, and I think most boys at some point, at some part, at some point, wanted to be that gun-toting hero of whatever you know genre it was, whether it was a soldier, whether it was a cowboy whether it was just a, 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 even a gangster, you know what I mean? But we always wanted to be that gun-toting hero uh, when we were younger. And I think now that we're older and we're able to legally own firearms, a lot of that, you know, makes us feel like that. We feel we have that little nostalgic connection to certain firearms at times. So there's nothing wrong with that. Mine was commando. See, I'm a G.I. Joe guy of like, if I if look, on my couch right now are some GI Joe comic books that I saved from when I was a kid. The rest of them got destroyed in the flood, and I was able to save these. Um, and that's what kind of that's one of the things that got me into guns and wanting to, you know, uh, be in service of my country and my fellow man, and and in some way, shape, or form, or, or all that. Like those those comic books right there on that couch. That's what made me do that. So. 
Yeah. Um, Joe. One of my friends was um, like a big Joe Joe fan, and he ended up becoming uh, a Green Beret. Oh, see, there you go. Yeah, I grew up with. We, yeah. we he would watch Joe Joe constantly. It's really funny because his brother is this like pacifist artist guy, <laughs> and he's a Green Beret. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, his brother like very very liberal, and he's like very conservative. <laughs> I, I get it. I get it. Like GI Joe is what influenced uh, a guy I know um, to become a commando, also. You know, and he did. Uh, he fought and did some pretty cool stuff. And right now, he's a pretty squared away guy. But you know, GI Joe is what gave him it. I mean, his comic collection is full of GI Joe too. And it's like, like that. It, the things that influence us as children never really leave us. Um, they don't. And they make us who we are now. So, like, part of me being a gun guy is in, in, in relation to those comic books sitting on the couch. So, okay. You're, you're a gun guy. You like G.I. Joe. The latest movie came out. Being a gun guy, I can't watch it because every time they pulled out their Glock, you heard a hammer go back. A hammer cock? Oh. <laughs> There's no hammer. Like, like and you're talking about the G.I. Joe movies, right? Yeah. That's because they're made by Hasbro and not Marvel. I think if Marvel would have taken over the the GI Joes uh, movie production, it would have they would have come out a lot differently. Yeah, they're talking about actually doing a Hasbro cinematic universe where they mix GI Joes and Transformers. No, no, thank you. No, thank you. you don't like that, man. No, like where? How does that work? Uh, like. Like D.I. Joe is rooted and grounded in reality with all the spaceships and the crafts that Cobra had, you know? So how are they gonna have Transformers? No, I mean, I'd, I'd love to see it though. I just can't, I just can't conceptually visualize it right now, but I would I would definitely pay money to see that though. Cause they would have G.I. Joe mixed with Transformers and then they're gonna add another, it's a lesser known. There well, it's a couple different ones. But one of the lesser known ones that I, I used to love when I was a kid was a show called Mask. I remember Mask. Where they're where they're producing a mask movie. Oh, well, that should be awesome. See, how, how old are you, John? I'm 44. Oh, no wonder. Okay, I'm 46, and I'm like, wait a minute, you're talking to my era. Like, I remember that too. So so yeah, okay. Matt Tracker and it was like Camaro with the <laughs> Up, yeah. like the little the little motorcycle that turned into a helicopter. Yes, sir. Like, like what? It, and it's crazy. I was talking about my favorite cartoons when I was little, and and you know you got to be old. Like uh, one of my favorite cartoons, and I look at it now, and I'm like, oh, how the animation was horrible. But it was Thundar the Barbarian. I don't know if you ever watched that or remember that. Uh, and Thundar the Barbarian was it? Are you st uh oh you still there? Is it just me? If it's just me, if you guys remember Thunder the Barbarian, let me know. <laughs> uh, we're gonna wait for John to oh, come. I'm back. I'm back. Sorry, I hit the wrong. Right. Okay. I should yeah. come up here in a second. Hopefully. There you go. There you are. Yeah, I hit the wrong button. Sorry. No worries. No worries. But yeah, my thing was uh, Thunder the Barbarian too. Uh, the moon split open. Yeah, with Ariel and Ookla, like Ariel and Ookla, let's ride. Like, you know, that was my that was my cartoon. That was cartoons were great back in the days, but they suck now. Anyway, but no, man. So like a lot of a lot of my uh a lot of my passions um I'm able to do right now because uh 
I, I learned about them when I was younger. And, you know, the curiosity kept me uh, attached to it. And now I'm able to act out on that. You know what I mean? And I think that AR, my love for ARs is, that's where my love for ARs comes from specifically. Uh, because I always liked the M16 platform or the M16 model, I keep saying platform, uh, M16 platform and all the variants of it. Uh, and then when um, they started breaking things down into the M4, then, you know, uh, civilian ARs really started becoming popular. I was all about it. I was all about it. And then more recently, the advanced modularity of the AR just made it even 10 times worse in a good way for me. So. Do you know what got me into AKs? What's that? Jeremy. Like, why, why I liked them, why I, start, why I bought my first AK before I got into the AK culture. What's that? You're, you're right. It's, it goes back to my childhood. It's the A-team. Oh, yeah. And they, they always had AKs. They always had AKs and hit nothing, ever. Like, ever. <laughs> so. Yeah, it was like shoot a car and like have enough time to jump off of it before it exploded. Right. But no one ever got shot in the A-team, ever. Like, so, no, I love the A-team also. And I and I loved the remake. I'm not going to lie. Some people hated the remake. I loved the remake. Oh, I I love the remake. Rampage Jackson was the perfect BA Baraka. He was the perfect BA. I didn't know if he was going to hold up. His acting or lack of acting made BA real. Like, like he was natural. It was natural. And he was the perfect BA. Like, I loved it. I loved the whole thing. So, yeah, they had a, they casted it really well. They did. They did. Casting I mean, can ruin a movie or it can make a movie. It, absolutely, absolutely. No, I love. I lo and and Murdoch was always my favorite in the show. And I forget the actor's name who played Murdoch. I believe he's an Australian actor, um, or he's from New Zealand. One of the two. Um, but he just killed it in that movie. So yeah, you know, I, like, I like how they explained why BA was afraid of flying. Yeah, yeah, like helicopter. Yeah. I love it. I loved it. And then, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I was just watching it with my son the other day. And it's just like, he's just, he just, Rampage did a great job. Is it going to knock me out? It better knock me out. I'm going to knock you out. <laughs> like, you know, he just wouldn't fly without being knocked out. Like, like you got to dope this big dude up every time he gets on. Like, come on, man. So. Yeah, I, I know Mr. T was kind of upset because he wanted to rehash the role. He's too old. Yeah, it's like you're like 80, man. <laughs> like, come on. No, I mean, I get it. Like, you're still Mr. T. They maybe could have they they could have done a cameo like they did with Face. You know what I mean? But well, they wanted him to do a cameo, and he wouldn't do it. Oh uh, yeah, he was salty. He was too upset. Yeah, yeah. It's like, dude, you're too old to play a, a young guy that's still in. Like, get out of here. And your mohawk is wrinkled. So, like, come on, guys. So, yeah. But no, shout out to Mr. T. Like, good dude. Um, stood for a lot in the community, you know. And he did oh, he some, did? Yeah. So a lot of know. people don't realize that about him. No, he was definitely about his community. You know, he was from the hood in Chicago. And, you know, he definitely always gave back and made sure he was visible and uh, tried to do some restoration in his community trying to save the youth and help the youth. Uh, so, no, shout out to Mr. T. Major shout out. 
and I don't know, I don't know a young black dude who didn't look up to Mr. T back in the day. And I knew white dudes that did too, but especially young black dudes. I looked up to Mr. T. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh yeah, but I mean, tried to be him. You know, like uh, we had to work out, cut our hair in mohawks, wore plastic gold chains. Like his were real, ours were plastic. So it's like, yeah, it was. Yeah, I mean, you got about five or six young black dudes running around Halloween, and we're all Mr. T, and we're all mad because we're dressed as Mr. T, but. You know, luckily we all picked a different, uh, a different outfit or color shirt for Mr. T, a, co a different cutoff. Like, yeah, so. Yeah, I had an with someone recently about Mr. T because they didn't believe me when I told him he never said, I pity the fool in the A-team. No, he only said it outside. You mm -hmm. know Yeah, like. Never mentioned the A-team. And I got an argument with someone. It's funny that you brought up Mr. T because I got an argument with someone like very recently about that. Like, no, he's never said I pity the bull in the A team. That's actually from uh, Rocky Three. Right. Right. That's a that's that that's a uh, clubber uh clubber lang. Clubber lang. I was always getting mixed up. But yeah, no, it's that's that's the that's the mind that's the magic though. So uh I, lo I love it. I love it. Uh shout out to the Puerto Rican Pistolero who just was jumped on a little while ago and said something i forgot to say hey to him yeah but, yeah. yeah i i i love uh locked and loaded latinos oh, they're awesome yeah i don't really watch that many uh gun podcasts but that's one of the ones i do watch yeah he they 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 came on the scene hardcore for those of you that don't know them make sure you go uh and follow them um they do an excellent job it's a husband and wife pair uh or duo and oh there he is um and they are just awesome. They're well-versed, well-educated, even though they're new to the community. They're not new to this. They, they've been dedicated for quite a while. And yeah. they, they jumped in running. Uh, and they, I mean, their first SHOT Show, they came to SHOT Show uh, this past January. And uh, uh, I mean, they hit the ground running. I mean, I know that his wife was, they, they were a little scared and timid. And, you know, she did a, uh, and he kind of coached her into doing an interview, and I think from there they got their their they got their. I was going to say I can't. I, I have to filter myself. I'm very very vulgar. Um, they've got their 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 feet under them, and they've just taken off, man. And I yeah. believe they're going to grow into one of the uh, the bigger podcasts out there. I 100% agree. I've had both of them on here, so when they get so big that they forget about. The little guys, I can play. Right. I know they're gonna forget about us soon, dude. Like you know, and I consider them like my little brother and sister, man. I love them to death. Like there are not many people in the community that I extend that familial love to, but they're definitely that. Um, uh, I can't. I'm just waiting on them to have a kid now, so I can be Uncle Uncle Argo. So yeah, but uh, but yeah, no, they're they're awesome, man. Uh, I love them to death, uh, and they just got a 3D printer, so I'll be making a trip down there soon. So. I got a, I got a, a few pretty 3D printers. If you need any any advice about 3D printing, I got some. Uh, I got a Ghost Gunner three and a Ghost Gunner two and uh, a few different 3D printers. Oh, see, well, we'll talk. We'll definitely talk. We'll definitely yeah. talk. I like making my own firearms from scratch. I got I got something else that's a little bit of a secret because it's not out. I'll tell you off air. Okay, that sounds. You just piqued my interest really much, really much. No, you just peaked it really badly, and I, I want to know, but okay, I'll wait. I'll be cool. Yeah, either Rolo or Joe, one of the two. I think it might be Joe, is probably 
printing or Rolo probably printing stuff right now. Yeah, yeah, that's Rolo. Yeah. Oh, Benny the Hill. Did Benny Hill? Did you ever see Benny Hill when he played Mister T? I never saw. I actually did see that. Now that I thought about it, I forgot about it, and then it took me a second, and then I did. I, you know, I used to watch Benny Hill back in the day because that was one of the only places that you could see boobs on TV when you were a kid. Like you'd get a shot of boob over there, so it was like, oh, Benny Hill. Like so, but Benny yeah, Hill, I remember Benny Hill, whatever that. The music, yeah. Yeah. All right, man. Well, we've been on for a little bit over an hour, so I'm gonna like, let you get out of here. I'm gonna give you the final word, but let me do my plugs. You can just find all my stuff at grumpy.com. I, I do have a Patreon, patreon.com slash John Crump. 100% of the proceeds goes to my niece. Uh, there's also a Mandalorian rifle auction that's going on to volunteer, to, uh, not volunteer, to help my niece out. And if you go to crumpy.com slash Mando, it'll redirect you to the gun broker where you can see an awesome rifle. Um, NordVPN is now sponsoring the show. If you go to crumpy.com slash VPN, you can go ahead and sign up for uh, NordVPN and all the money goes to my niece as well. Uh, also, check out Tusk. They are an awesome sponsor. T-U-S-C dot network. It's a, it's a gun-friendly cryptocurrency. They are sponsoring the show for the next six months in Black Swan Tactical. Use code CRUMPY for 10% off. All proceeds go to my niece again. My niece has uh, brain cancer. What? Okay. Sorry to hear that. So we raised a lot of money for her, and we bought a puppy. We got her a laptop and stuff like that so we we, okay. we do a lot how, how old is she uh she's nine tough it's tough it's yeah but well, we've been doing a lot to help her out but i'm gonna give you the final word uh tell them tell everyone where they can find you or whatever else you want them to know okay uh you can definitely find me on all social media platforms at argo j that's three a's a a a r g o j a y um you can check my website out argoj.com uh, we have some pretty cool merch on there. Uh, everybody's heard of the I lost my guns in a boating accident, whether you love it or hate it. Uh, it's pretty funny, but I I took it and made a play on words with it and said I lost all my mags in a voting accident uh, because of the recent election and the proposed restrictions and infringements that are coming. Uh, and even so to include uh, standard capacity and higher capacity magazines. But luckily, you know, I lost all my mags in a voting accident, so I won't be able to comply. So you can get your uh, little bit of, of non-compliance heaven at argoj.com. Uh, and also on that site, you can donate to the documentary. There's a link for the documentary and there's a link for my, my rifle. I didn't really talk about it here, but uh, I'm working with American Defense Manufacturing. We came out with my signature series rifle. Um, it's pretty, pretty, pretty tough. Um, it's called the Bravo Oscar. Got some great companies that uh, that make that rifle up. Uh, American Defense Manufacturing, Criterion Barrels, CMC Triggers, Griffin Armament, uh, Radiant Weapons. So, yeah, if you don't know, Bravo Oscar is bo probably for Blackout for Black Ops, Black Ops. The, the, the the documentary, absolutely. Uh, and American Defense Manufacturing is donating uh, all the proceeds, um, well, the profit because they're going they're getting the rifle and taking their costs and all the profits from the rifle are going directly to the documentary. Um, so definitely go check that out. Uh, we have um, a 14 and a half inch pen and welded 
uh, version, um, and we have an 11 and a half inch uh, AR pistol. Uh, specifically, the pistols go pick them up because those are under attack, and I'd, ra I'd rather you guys get those uh, quickly and, and have those at hand before anything happens with those. You can't get them. Yeah. yeah. So that's where you find me. Argo J everything. Three A's. A A A R G O J A Y. One one other question. Why do you do the three A's? That's a whole story. Uh, but just let me sum it up. Um, going back to the black white thing. Uh, I live in Wisconsin. And when I go to outdoor ranges, it, it's always me and my few black friends that are into guns and the rest of the people are white. And they always look at us crazy until we pull our guns out and they say, well, damn, these dudes got the cool stuff. And they see us shoot and they're like, well, let me come down here. Let's talk to them. Let's see it. Can I shoot it? You know, especially then if we pull out some full auto and then they're like, oh, my God, how do they get that? Is it is it legal? How did you get it? There's always that question. Like, do you have that legally? Like, are you asking because you're concerned or are you seeing if I'm a criminal? But at any, at any rate, uh, so long story short, we were coming home one day, uh, two brothers and myself, uh, two siblings who were also black, uh, not brothers like that, but both ways. Um, and I was saying, yeah, we should start an organization because everybody always sweats us one way and then they sweat us another way once they see our guns. We should start an organization and we'll call it um, the African-American Association for Responsible Gun Ownership. So African-American Association is where the three A's came from. Uh, yeah. Responsible gun ownership. Yeah. Awesome. So it was a joke. It started as a joke. And then we ran with it. Uh, Joe Drag, the website is argoj.com. And there's uh, go down to the bottom to the um, Bravo Oscar link. Uh, and you, it'll take you right to the American Defense website page. Uh, website, I mean. And then it'll, I think that takes you to the, the rifle version. But if you search the website, you can find the 11 and a half inch pistol version too. So, all right, uh, stick around for one second. Yep. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow with Armament and Axis. Good guy.